Welcome to Growing Up Beverly Hills. I'm Stacy. And I'm David. Stacy and I grew up together in Beverly Hills during the 70s and 80s. Forget what you've seen on TV and in the movies. We're here to bring you the true stories of the people who grew up in Beverly Hills. Our guests range from the rich and famous to those growing up south of the tracks. But they all have had their ups and downs, and they all have a story to tell. Please join in on the conversation by following us on Facebook and Instagram, where we also do pop-up chats. Give us a five-star rating and subscribe. We need your help and support to keep on growing up Beverly Hills. Hey, Stacy, this was a really interesting episode. Yes, it was. We had Madonna Yamin on. She was in our class of 84, but I learned so much about her from this talk. Her family came from Iran via Italy before the Shah was overthrown in 79. She was lucky to get out early, before the revolution, when the Ayatollah Khomeini took over. Very lucky. Her family was able to establish themselves in Beverly Hills early before they were forced to leave their country like so many other families. Beverly Hills is now 20% Iranian, so Madonna's story is a key part of the history of Beverly Hills, and it represents a time when Iran-U.S. relations were extremely tense. Yeah, we could have easily gone to war. It was amazing to hear how the Persian community of immigrants were able to support each other and really succeed. Yeah, Mandana really goes over her story, but there's so many stories to tell about this. And there's a whole new generation of Iranians in Beverly Hills who are second generation and going to Beverly High or graduated. So if you have a different story, we're not done with this subject at all. After this episode, please contact us and we'll have you on the show. That would be so much fun. We'd love to keep this conversation going. It's a really important one. We focused a lot on her early experiences growing up in Beverly Hills and being from Iran and didn't get some important aspects of her later life. That is true. What we really wanted to say, she is an incredible mom and she's launched an amazing career doing interior design. Well, there's a lot to absorb and learn in this episode. So let's get to it. Let's do it. Mandana Yamin, welcome to Growing Up Beverly Hills. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Stacy and David, for having me on uh, your show. I'm excited to be here. It's so great to see you again and have you on. You kind of represent a big subject that I've been wanting to cover for a long time, and I'm very excited about that because uh, your family came originally from Iran. That's true. My parents uh, left Iran actually before the revolution, and I was born in Milan, Italy. And then when I was about almost five years old, we emigrated to the United States, to Los Angeles. How did your family get to Beverly Hills? I think what happened was, so my dad had four brothers. Some of them lived in Italy and some of them lived in Iran. And then one of my dad's brothers moved to Los Angeles in the um, late 60s. And I think it's just sort of a progression that, you know, once one family member moves, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, we want a better life. And um, at that time, there was no turmoil or conflict mm-hmm. uh, with Persians who who left and came to the United States. So there was like very, very few of us at the mm-hmm. time that came here. Very, very small group of people. 
like maybe a handful of Iranians that lived in Los Angeles um, that I could think of who who came here at a young age. So Iran became very close, but during the Shah, was it possible to just, you know, easily move to the United States or was it still a very hard process? No, I think it wasn't a difficult process, but I don't think there was a whole lot of reason to leave Iran because from what I understand from, you know, just talking to my parents, they had a great life. I mean, they were very happy there. My mom has so many fond memories of growing up with her brothers and her sister. Mm -hmm. People have so many fond memories of living in Iran. So I don't think there was a big need to leave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But for some reason, because my dad was a merchant and uh, he was in the rug business and he thought that we would probably have a better life living in the States versus the thousands of people who had to leave after the revolution. Right. I think a lot of people don't have a good concept that the Shah was a really progressive leader and the economy was one of the fastest growing economies in the world. It was. And a lot of people embraced the fact that he wanted to modernize the society. Women can go to school. They got rid of the chadors, you know, the sort Mm -hmm. of the heat job. So it was really embraced by so many people, but there were a lot of people who didn't feel the same way. Yeah. But anyway, there were a lot of Islamic opposition. Right. So they were really against all of that. And I think like, you know, part of the reason was that they weren't ready for... First of all, they didn't like Americans, America government, not Americans. They didn't like the American government. And so they didn't really want them to come in and westernize, you know, their country. They weren't ready for all of the changes, you know, right. so. Uh-huh. And that makes sense. <laughs> and we know that kind of a disproportionate amount of people leaving came specifically to Beverly Hills. Do you have kind of a feeling for why that was? Well, so it depends on if we're talking about like the Iranian Jews or we're talking about mm-hmm. uh Persians as a as a whole mm. because there was about like I would say that I think about eighty thousand Jews are, are left Iran during the revolution, right. yeah. um, and I would say most of them came to Los Angeles. A lot of them went to Orange County. They went mm-hmm. to the Bay Area. They went where there was already family there. I mean, gotcha. I think the reason why they came to Los Angeles is because Tehran, for example, has like weather that's very similar to Los Angeles. Hmm. And like the mountains. And so they had sort of like, it seemed familiar to them right. to want to move to a place that, that it was similar to what they grew up with. So right. I think that was an important part of it, you know? So do you think it was that same feeling like, well, I've got some money and I'm Jewish. I should go to Beverly Hills because there's Jewish people with money. I mean, we didn't necessarily move to Beverly Hills when we first came here. And I don't think a lot of people did. And listen, hmm. you have to realize that a lot of the Persians that left Iran didn't have anything. They didn't mm-hmm. have any like my dad didn't have a lot of money when he left. Um a lot of people didn't have those kind of resources. What they did have was they were educated and mm. they were like merchants and they were doctors and they were scientists and they were in the merch and they were you know they were in the garment industry and they had the education and the experience to be able to say, okay, we're going to start. And also we're like, Mm -hmm. we're just Persians. I'm not even talking about Persian Jews or, uh, or non-Jews. They're just very industrious people. Like they just, they are go-getters. They're hungry. They're 
resilient. We're not a lazy, you know, culture by any means. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it fit in with Beverly Hills because we had, you know, the parents had the same values. We want mm-hmm. our kids to be very well educated and spend their time studying and those right. kind of things. I think after we came here, I lived in West Hollywood. And then when mm-hmm. I was, I think in third grade, I we moved to Beverly Hills. Yeah. I have to say, I wasn't really happy about moving to Beverly Hills because I lived up in Truesdale and I couldn't ride my bicycle anymore. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's what everybody says who lives <laughs> up in those canyons. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I know it sounds really silly, but it's true. I, I It's not silly. That's a very big deal. true. You know, I mean, it, it really is something that other guests have talked about. I didn't have any friends that lived next to me or near me, except my cousin, you know, Sasha lived up yeah. the street, but I couldn't walk to a friend's house. Everybody that lived around me was like 60 years or older. They nobody <laughs> right. had kids. Right. I was like right. living in an old age community. Like, where's everybody? Like everybody was just, you know, they were just. When you're young, you don't think about those things. You want to be around like your friends that are down the street, you know, in the flats. You just want to play when you're a kid and you just want to have fun. So when you start school and you're up in Truesdale, it's hard to get down the hill and get with your friends. And that we've heard a lot that the Truesdale kids weren't always the happiest in Beverly Hills. (laughs) I know it sounds really vain, but it's true. No, it's true. true. They couldn't get to Hagen dazs You can't get to Jacopo's. You can't get to your friends. You can't get around, you know. Baskin Robbins. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't go to Flippers. You might have been closer to Flippers then. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Okay, so when you started school in third grade, you went to Hawthorne. And what was that like transitioning, meeting all these new kids? How were you accepted? How were you, how was that experience for you? It was interesting because I actually remember the very first day of third grade and I was petrified mm-hmm. because, you know, I still spoke English with an accent. It took me a while to fit in, so to speak, you know, I mean, it mm-hmm. was like, I think just what whether I'm an, Im- you know, you know, I come from a family of immigrants or not, mm-hmm. it's just fitting in is something so important uh to it was to me you know at my elementary school Edwardale, we weren't welcoming too much to any new person period right i don't know yeah. if you had that experience at your school i think that i made a huge effort i mean i think i'm very open and like i have a good sense of humor and i i made i made an effort mm-hmm. i did not mm-hmm. hide in a corner i was like i'm gonna make friends here and yeah I felt confident that I would have friends and I did. I had yeah. lots of friends. I had all kinds of friends. So did you speak Italian also? You know, Ooh. I actually forgot Italian. I was pretty angry with my parents. I'm like, why didn't you keep speaking to me in Italian? And they said, well, we came to America and we didn't even speak English. And so I think mm-hmm. my parents struggled a lot because mm. as a kid, you're pretty. it's pretty easy to learn a language when you're young, but when yeah. you're older, English is completely different than Farsi and Italian. Mm-hmm. So I don't think my parents had the bandwidth to continue to speak Italian with us. Sadly, I don't speak Italian. Do you speak Farsi too yeah, as well? Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's amazing. I think the majority of the people that I grew up with in my generation all speak Farsi. Great. Sadly, though, like the next generation, they just don't speak Farsi to their kids. And it's really sad because... 
there's going to be a whole new generation of Iranians. And a lot mm-hmm. of Iranians marry outside of, you know, their culture and mm-hmm. and it happens, but they just don't speak Farsi to their kids. And so we, we're going to lose a lot of that, unfortunately. It does get to be a big loss, I think, when people immigrate and they lose parts of their culture and their tradition and their lifestyle, you know. I want to ask, did your family keep the traditions alive in your home? Did you... Did you experience where they were from and felt part of of your homeland in your own home growing up? After the revolution, the the majority of my family came to Los Angeles. I mean, we were lucky that we were able to, they were, they were able to leave. For sure. So I think being Jewish, obviously we celebrated all the holidays. My mom cooked Persian food only. I mean, my mom didn't make like, you know, casserole or. Right. No tuna casserole. No devil's egg. None of that. No wonder bread in my house. It, it was like it was like pita bread. And yeah. It was you know lavash. So I mean, and that makes me laugh because I remember like when I was going to school and I would bring my lunch, people were like, "What the hell are you eating? What, you ma- what do you got in there?" I had like avocado toast before it was even a trend to eat avocado sure. toast. <laughs> Part of me was like, this is really good, guys. You don't understand. And then part of me was like, mom, can you just make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and then right. cut off the ends and triangle it? Right. <laughs> so, yeah, as far as like culturally, definitely 100%. It was very present growing up. I mean, Wonderful. holidays, family, like family and food is so big in our culture. Like, yeah. I feel like we're like the Middle Eastern Italians, you know what For I mean? For sure. Like, <laughs> Family get-togethers were really important. You know, my parents lost so much mm-hmm. that they left the country that they loved. You know, I don't think they realized that they weren't ever going back. Like, th- that was yeah, it. Right. That's got to be... Because they left so early. They thought they would could go back and forth freely and it would always right. be some Shah in power. So when you think about all the cultures, like the, you know, immigrants that came from China or Japan or Russia... They can go back, right? I mean, if they want to. Yeah. And sadly, when I talk to other family members about it, because I would love to go back. Like I've only been there once, and I, Mm -hmm. I mean, I want to go back. It's, it's part of who I am. It's a huge part of who I am. So, Mm -hmm. legally, you can't travel there at all. I mean, you can. I have an American passport, which is not really. They don't want Americans there. Mm. My last name is Arabic, so they don't know I'm Jewish. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, now is, I keep saying now is not a good time. It's always, now is always never a good time. So it right. just seems that I would love to go back, but I would have to probably go back with a different passport. For sure. And if I have Israel on my passport, then I can't go. You cannot go. No. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's like the last time I checked, that's what it was. Yeah. Like in the earlier years when you were young, was it hard for your mom or did they just meet friends and kind of assimilate well? So I think for my mom, it was difficult because she was a stay-at-home mom and the language barrier was Mm. very difficult for her. I mean, to this day, she still has trouble speaking English. Yeah. But she was happy because her brothers were here and her sister and my mom was super busy. Like, you know, she made all our clothes. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but she did. My mom was a fantastic seamstress and she yeah. cooked all our meals and she took us to like my brother's soccer practice and right. my, you know, my ballet classes. And so she was super busy. 
I mean, I think it was bittersweet, you know. At that time, I don't think my grandparents were here, but I think once everybody was here, it got better. It, of course, it got yeah. better. I mean, mm-hmm. then you just create your own community, you know. Sure. My mom did not have any American friends. She wasn't friends with any of my friends' moms. Like, right? She didn't make friends with your no, friends' mom. And no, or dro- at a drop off at a birthday party. <laughs> no, right. I mean, right. my mom was really shy. Too difficult with the language barrier. She just was also very shy, very private. She just Mm -hmm. didn't, she doesn't really get the, she didn't get the American culture. She just found it so foreign to her, you know, we, no offense, but Persians are very warm and affectionate and like come to our house and what do you want to eat and drink? And Mm -hmm. it wasn't reciprocated the same way, if that makes sense. Totally understand. Yeah. Your family probably didn't have this feeling like, a lot of immigrants, like I'm going to the United States for freedom and more rights and things like that. And my religious freedom, it wasn't a situation like that for your family. Personally, not for us. I guess we were the lucky ones that we didn't have to leave. But I have Mm -hmm. to say we were lucky. I think Persians as a whole were very lucky that they were able to leave. I mean, they didn't want to leave, but they got to leave. And, you know, they, they're all spread out all over the world. I mean, in Europe and, you know, in Mm -hmm. the United States and, I mean, there's Persians everywhere. Yeah. I mean, you seriously, like, I was in Sao Paulo in a flower shop and I heard some woman speaking Farsi to her kids. And I said, oh my God, there's Persians in Sao Paulo. <laughs> so I just, I'm blown away when I hear, you know, people speaking Farsi in another country that I just wouldn't expect them to be living there. You know, it's, it's, to me, it's surreal. Oh, yeah. yeah. To give people some background, the Shah, who we all say is just the Shah, he's like a king, right? Yeah, he was the king. His father was also the king. And I mean, it it's, becomes very political if you say sadly or not sadly, but he was overthrown and it was a big deal. That happened like February of 79. He was overthrown. He I was think. overthrown the end of January. Yeah, January of 1979. And then and then the hostage crisis happened in November of 79. Right. And I think that's when all of this anti- you know, Persian sentiment yeah. became really um, painful to a lot of people who were already living here and people who were were planning to come here. So, you know, that happened, and mm-hmm. then it, it got it got worse. I mean, yeah. me being here in the beginning was like, oh, she's a girl with a big nose and an accent. Then it became oh, she's Persian or she's Iranian, you know. uh, uh, Then it had a whole different sentiment to Mm -hmm. be Persian and Iranian. And I think that's... Was that kind of the first time that your friends or anybody were kind of conscious that you were Persian and that this... I think before it wasn't a big deal because, you know, they're like, oh, well, Persian cat and, you know, Persian food and, you know, Persian rug. It was, you know, it was just very baseless in that respect. And then... There was so much anti-American sentiment um, after the hostage crisis that I think a lot of the reasons why people changed their names to sound more westernized Mm -hmm. was because of that. They didn't want to be Sharon. They wanted to be Sean. They didn't want to be Farsha. They wanted to be Fred. And then even myself, I, in fourth grade, decided I didn't want to be Mandana, I wanted to be Donna. And then, yeah, so I changed my name for a year. I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. And then I realized, 
okay, I don't look like Adana. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I'm like Adana. I'm, and I'm not Donna. No, you know, I like, love I'm your not, name. I don't, I'm like, okay, I'm going back to my name. I'm like, ah, that w- I had a year of being, I thought I could be a cool American. And so were you feeling it? Well, yeah. Did you feel it? I mean, the hostage crisis was such a dominant thing that year. I mean, it was, it was on, on the, the news, news every day. Every yeah, every day. day. And it every lasted day. forever. It lasted for well over 44 days. That's you know? right. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, you know, a lot of anti-Iranian sentiment, to say the least. It was just prevalent. And then at the same year, a lot of people came to America from a lot of people a came lot to that America. same year. So because uh, I, I came to Beverly Hills that year and I remember going to Beverly Vista and I was new and then all these new kids started coming into school and it was like, what? So there was a lot happening. Well, uh, around 80,000 Jews Unbelievable. Left. And I mean, if you think about it now, there's over a half a million Iranians living in the United States. That's incredible. Yeah, I think Beverly Hills is 20% Iranian. Yeah, 20%. I mean, at the t- I think it's 20% like now, but I don't think it was 20% when we went to high school. No, no, I no, mean, because no. it grew over time. I mean, yeah. it became multi-generational because yeah, started with you. <laughs> you were one of the earliest, <laughs> and then... I should be mayor. You, know, I you are mayor. mayor. You're, yeah. you're, our, you're our honorary growing up Beverly Hills mayor. I am mayor. <laughs> give me my damn key. We're going to give you a key. Don't worry. <laughs> I, it might have been like, I mean, there probably weren't many families except your family. That it was the Shokrians. Do you know the Shokrians? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. They were one of the first families that came here. There were, they were, a, I'm, I'm sure there were a handful. Like, I mean, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I was very torn mm-hmm. because I came before the revolution and I was trying to assimilate and become Americanized. Yeah. And then the Persians came and I was like, I don't dress like you. I don't, I'm right. I don't really like, I don't have that accent anymore. And right. so I had a difficult time embracing them in a way. You had your established friends. I you, had my established friends. You were pretty all American by that time, I imagine. I mean, I wasn't. I didn't look all American. No, I did, but you I were doing. Well, I was more Americanized. I mean, I didn't mm-hmm. go home and pretend like I was somebody. I was still who I was. I couldn't hide who I was, nor yeah. did I want to. But I did have right. a. There was a time that I felt, do I want to embrace people that are just like me, but are not like me? Mm hmm. And I struggled with it for a while. Like, I mean, I wasn't so conscious of it at the time, but as I got older, and then when I was in, I remember in high school, I embraced the Persians that went to Beverly. Like I had my Persian friends, like Mm -hmm. I had my core, like a group of Persians that I loved and we would leave campus and go to McDonald's every day. And Mm -hmm. we'd laugh and we, we, we spoke the same language. And sometimes you didn't want someone to hear what you had to say. And we had a joke. And so I was able to have that. Right. Yeah. But they were still very different than like all my other American friends. And the Persians just really stuck with the Persians. I mean, they didn't really venture off that much in high school from what I can Mm -hmm. remember. You know? Yes, for sure. I mean, I think 
Yeah, because you were the only one that kind of went to different groups. Yeah, because I was really involved in drama. So I had totally, the- you were friends with everybody. Like you went to every group. Yeah, I went to every group. I think you did. I needed that acceptance at the time. Yeah, yeah. But you had also made some of your strongest bonds is like what you make in elementary school with those friends. So, you you know, you have these friends established. I'm always happy to see somebody I run into from elementary school. It's, it's as if you pick up where you left off. There's exactly. always a hug. There's always you're always happy to see somebody. I mean, not everybody, but for the most part, yes. Mm-hmm. I still keep in touch with a lot of the people that I went to high school with and but I'm a different person now than I was yeah. then too, you know? I mean, I, we all are obviously yes. we yeah. stay 12 and 15 forever, but yeah, I mean, we're all, we're all different, but I, now I embrace more of who I am, where I come from, my ancestry. Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. we're a country of over 3000 years. It's like, how mm-hmm. can I not embrace all that wonderfulness. I mean, you know, when I think about it, it's the people are not the government, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it was really hard to explain that to people that were mean to me and called me names and, and me watching other students be mean to other Persians. I always once would stand up for them. I'm like, you know, I'm very outspoken and, you know, I don't keep my mouth shut very often, but I've always felt the need to be able to support them and not let people like, belittle them and it happened yeah. it happens it still happens i mean it, it happened, happened. All- so we were like 12 and 13 when during the revolution and that's really when people were coming uh more people and so were you seeing this name calling and everything happening like that i think it happened more mm-hmm. like right after that like obviously like it took a minute right i mean people yeah. coming in and and then you know the media didn't help no, no. Right. And the hostage like, crisis and the hostage crisis and the Ayatollah and mm-hmm. the way people were treated and the way women were treated. And, and it, it, it was heartbreaking to see that women were being, were able to go to college, have an education, not have to wear the chador mm-hmm. and liberated. And then having to go back to this sort of like fundamental uh, lifestyle, which is not what, the majority of Iranians want it. So the Ayatollah Khomeini takes over. He rolls back all of these freedoms. And he basically just said nothing Western. He was just uh, so anti-American. And I mean, it also has to do with oil. I mean, it's very complicated when it comes down to it. Yeah. The Iran-Iraq war immediately starts too. Yep. The Iran-Iraq war starts. So there's all that. And then there was a time I remember I was um, I was in the film industry for, for a while and I was working in North Carolina and it was during Desert Storm. And mm-hmm. my boyfriend at the time said, you cannot tell people that you are Persian. And I said, why? He says, because wow. a lot of the people that were working on set, their family members were in the military and they were off. And if they heard Persian, I said, but they said, it doesn't matter, right? Oh, it doesn't, boy. you have to say you're Italian. So I had to tell everybody I was Italian because every day I would hear effing Iranian <sighs> and effing and Iraqi. We were all like kind of all put together in a group. Like, yes, of I'm course. like, I'm not Iraqi. <laughs> but, it, you know, I think, the, I think the sad part is that the ignorance is really yeah. conveyed when they think that Arabs and 
Persians and Iraqis and Syrians, we're all the same. I mean, we share a lot of similar uh, cultural attributes, but we're very different too. So I, I can't educate someone who's so ignorant that way, you know? So I try to not engage when I realize even today, when people say stuff like camel jockey and S Mm -hmm. and San N word. Yeah. I refuse to engage because I just find myself too intelligent for that. You know, you hear it a lot. Were you hearing it from people in, in school with you, seventh and eighth graders? and Or ninth, well, she's more in high school, really. More in high school. We got high school once we got rolling. I mean, I don't know if you saw it, but because I did have a lot of Persian friends, they definitely got scrutinized for being different and looking different and having an accent mm-hmm. yeah. and keeping to themselves. And they were just minding their own business for the most yeah. part. I didn't feel like the Persians in high school were out to get anyone and be like, you know, they weren't bullies or they weren't aggressive. In elementary school, we were very conscious. Here's a new person. And they came from Iran. It was weird. Like, I think it was seventh or eighth grade. And we had a lot of new people come from different countries too. And I can remember my own experience at Elwardale. There were people who came from Iran, but we also had uh, my friend Patrick who came from Holland. And we were aware of all these foreigners because we're aware of any new people it's just not that big of a school or anything like that we would play after school like for instance and we'd say let's play the americans against the foreigners and i don't think we were doing it in a racist way (laughs) but maybe we were but i mean you're sort of the exception of the rule though like you know i mean i think no i don't know if i was the exception that's what i'm trying to remember I also think that Beverly High was huge. What did we have? Like 3,000 yeah. kids in our student body? What was it? Like no, like 4,000, I think, or right? something. 600 in our class. Yeah. Yeah. Something so big. there's so 2,400 or whatever. I also think that everybody was pretty self-absorbed at that time, too. Everybody was just sort you know, people yeah. were just thinking about, you know, what they're wearing and does he like me? And, yeah. Yeah. You know, How's it, uh, right. Does, do I have a crush on him? Yeah. Exactly. Like, like nobody's going to sit with me at lunch. <laughs> you might have a click based on we speak the same language or we're in drama or we play football. Now, if you were to, you know, let's just put aside Beverly Hills and imagine Persians. And I, I mean, I don't want to stereotype, but like in the Midwest or somewhere where there's no other ethnicities, really think about it. Like, I mean, at least yeah. LA Very is a melting hard. pot, right? I mean, right. I had all friends of all kinds of, from all different nationalities. Right. So for sure. yeah. I think the Persians that lived outside of like LA, for example, that were just few of them. Like I remember my uncle moved to Kansas city, Missouri with his brother to go to college. It was like unheard of Persians. Like, yeah. who are you? People just stared at them because they yeah. looked so Different. So different. And so, I mean, they were really handsome too. So they were, you know, they were dark with curly hair. They had an afro, you know what I mean? Like, you know, they really stood out. So mm-hmm. I think Beverly, I mean, on one hand, I I think I noticed more like sort of more prejudice of people's mentality outside of school, but I did also sense it in school too. I mean, yeah. and it was isolated incidences that you know, you don't always, Persians weren't going to go to the principal and say, so-and-so called me a name. I mean, they just would just let it roll off their shoulder and be like, whatever, we don't care. Oh, it must have been so hard. <laughs> like, it's so upsetting to me as we talk about it. 
because it must be so hard first you come to a new country and you know a lot of the like you said the families during the you know in the late 70s came they fleed and then they come to our, their new home and then just get bullied and and don't make it easy and it, it was i remember being feeling so em, much empathy for some of the kids it, it must have been very difficult it's completely night and day i yeah. mean the cultures couldn't be more Different. like they're polar opposite of each other if you think about it in every and mm-hmm. every way with food and mannerisms and and language and history and and music and poetry and just like i mean on and on you know and i think a lot of persians didn't want to assimilate they right. didn't want to be americanized right there's nothing against that they wanted to keep what little that they had left of what mm-hmm. was like their whole lives being ripped apart to come yep. to a country that I'm not sure how embracing it was, but I mean, as embracing as it could be to, to hold on to who they were. And yeah. and a lot of people are still that way, you know, yes. like I know so many Persians who don't speak English, like they right. still, like my grandmother still struggled with English when she came here and she'd been living here for like over 20 years, you know? Mm-hmm. So for anybody who doesn't live in LA, there's big pockets of uh, Persian communities and you could certainly do everything in the world just speaking Persian. Yes, Farsi. Just speaking Farsi. Sorry. It's okay. um, <laughs> oh, by the way, we talk about Persian, and we don't. I know oh, that yeah. people. Do you want in, to know the difference? Yes. Yeah, sure. Persian Please. versus Iranian. It's always been Persian, and then like the Shah's father decided to anglicize the name. If that's a word, I'm making it up. Otherwise, a good and, word. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm sure it's not that's the right a word. word. I think it is. And so. It came from the the German word Aryan, so they mm. made it Iran. Mm. But as far as Persian and Iranian, I think that Persian, I think, just sounds more exotic, and Iranian had it just sort of a negative connotation. Mm. You know, there was just too much stigma that yeah. was attached to Iran. Persian just sounds just beautiful. Yeah, it just sounds beautiful, and so yeah. I think. I mean, I go back and forth saying it. I don't do it consciously. But when people say, you know, where's your family from? I say Iran. Mm -hmm. What food do I eat? Persian. You know, so it really, I don't differentiate so much as like most people do. But I do think Persian sounds better and it has less of a negative attachment to the word. So, yeah. Totally. But I do want to say one thing because. Please. You wonder why the Persians came to L.A. They really had such a strong work ethic. You know Mm. what I mean? Like my dad opened up a rug store in the 70s on Melrose Avenue. He did? So my dad was a rug merchant and he imported, exported him and his brothers. Yeah, they always did that. So even back in Iran, they did that. Yeah, they did that. And then they did it in Italy. And then he moved to LA. And then he opened up a, a little rug shop. I think I still have his business card How somewhere. Cool. Yeah. Nice. And uh, he worked alone. And I would go after school, and sit on the rugs and it stunk of mothballs. But <laughs> I just have mad respect for my dad in so many ways, because he's always been a hard worker. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's sort of a similar thread to so many other immigrants that come to this country where they have that same work ethic and they mm-hmm. want to prosper and they want to have the American dream. Yeah. So that was so important to my parents that we got to go to college, which is mm-hmm. something that yeah. my parents never did. And right. 
and just have a lot of the things that they didn't get to have over there. Speaking of your dad's business, what did he do after the revolution? Because if he's exporting and importing rugs, he can't get them from uh, Iran any longer. Well, he got uh, rugs from Russia, Turkey, Pakistan, Mm. um, China. Everywhere but Iran. No, he did have Persian rugs. For some reason, he was able to get them. I'm really not sure exactly how, but he did have... I have a bunch of my dad's rugs in my house. So he was able to get them. I honestly would have to ask him that question because I'm not really sure. But I think he... he, The United States boycotted everything from Well, I think, remember that my dad came here in the late... um, early 70s. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of the rugs went through Milan and Milan, LA. So it went through my uncles who were living there at the time. And then he brought them here. That makes sense. I don't think it went directly from Iran to Los Angeles. Yeah. I lost my pistachios. What do you mean? <laughs> I loved Iranian pistachios, and after you can get them, they, you go to the Persian. Well, no, market. now now you can get them very easily. But back when I was a kid, we, my brother and I, we ate. I didn't know you liked. We those. loved. You, you loved them, and then you couldn't get them. You couldn't and get super them. Bummed. Yeah, I go. Nice. I go all the time to the Persian market now to get Iranian pistachios. I know it's still it's, my favorite. Ooh, I'm going to have to move on to Iranian, uh, to Persian pistachios. I would like that. Oh, they're so much better. It's like a whole different thing. So good. Just Persian food. Like the California pistachio is like a ridiculous <laughs> replacement for a Persian one. I go to the Persian market. I live in Santa Monica. I go to the Persian market and I buy it like in bulk. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I don't buy it in a bag. It comes like, I don't know he sticks his hand in there and I'm like, all right, it's fine. I don't care. <laughs> I'll take it. I love it. No, love no it. glove. No, like no know. glove. <laughs> That's so old. Well, we eat with our hands it. anyway. For I mean, sure. Some foods we do anyway. So now I heard that you ha- had some, a lot of fun at your house at your mom and had a lot of gambling and a lot of fun evenings growing up. Gambling what was that about? is a very big I heard part. gambling was big. <laughs> so my mom is, I can't say her age, but she's in her early 80s and she still plays cards with her friends twice a week. And listen, they're playing for money. It's no joke. <laughs> they're not just playing for fun. They're playing for money. My dad is almost 90 and he goes to the Hollywood Park Casino every night till two in the Come morning. On. Wow. And what do they do? They play cards? My dad plays cards. My mom plays cards. My dad is an avid backgammon player. He used to play tournaments in Vegas. Oh, wow. We get comp there all the time. Cool. I mean, nice. it was, this is growing up. We, we, like where everybody else would go to like Hawaii and play, <laughs> we go to Vegas for the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> Dad's in a tournament. (laughs) I'm like, I'm 13. What am I going to do in Vegas? You know, right? Especially so. My parents' idea of taking the kids on on a road trip in the station wagon was always someplace where there was gambling involved. I love that card playing. Backgammon is such a big part of our culture. I remember in high school, Roxanne Shalomi was one of my best friends. We would get together on a Saturday. I don't even think it was weird. We would sit and play cars all day long. We'd get like four people together while other people were like doing whatever, skateboarding, ice skating, yeah. you know, cheerleading. I didn't make You're the, having a card game. Yeah, I didn't make the cheerleading team. I didn't have Me that either. cheerleading <laughs> vibe. But anyway, I was playing cards. I loved it. Are you kidding? I loved going to Vegas as a That's kid. That's great. As I got older because I could gamble. But I mean, I think 
gambling is 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 tricky you know yeah, because even though it's cultural that we love to you know play cards but i think it's so social it's yes. like the most social thing you can do it's so intimate you're sitting around the table with a bunch of your favorite people eating yeah. drinking smoking cigarettes and gambling till three, four in the morning. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I don't know a lot of cultures that do that. Me neither. I think that sounds really fun and it brought probably a lot of fun and life to your guys' house and communities. It's I mean, still it sounds- happening. They, all my Persian friends' moms have a group of friends that they play <laughs> cards with. It's crazy. What's the game they play? They play like rummy. They play like different versions of Rummy, Rummy Sisatai, the Rummy 300. I don't know. They play all kinds of Rummies. I love it. Every Rummy. Every Rummy (laughs) there is, they play. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, Rummy. Rummy Martin too. (laughs) Yeah, there's a, there's, yeah, my mom is a a scotch drinker. I think that's awesome. (laughs) It's funny. One of the craziest things I kind of remember during this whole early experience was that there were also protests happening in Beverly Hills, and they were big. I tried to find some articles about it. I found one from like January 2nd, 1979, where they said hundreds of Iranian students marched at the home of the sister of the Shah. And that was because her mother was going to come visit. And they said they were throwing rocks and bottles and small fires were started. And 32 people were injured and the police used tear gas. I remember some days getting walked home from elementary school and there was craziness happening in the streets. Do you remember that? I mean, I remember, I don't remember that particular incident, but I do remember Mm -hmm. a lot of things. I think my parents tried to sort of protect us from all of that because I think they realized that they didn't want us to be a target in any way. Mm. If something was going on, they didn't, they would talk about it, but they wouldn't really talk about it in front of their children, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I was just exposed to it because it was just happening around us. And it was kind of like my first feeling of turmoil. There was- okay, but I was like in Truesdale, right? So like, yeah. you were far away. <laughs> you were far, you were far so away I could have been in another world. I could have been in Thousand Oaks. Like I was For so, sure. <laughs> I was in a bubble. Listen, I have no idea what was, I don't know. What, this must have been South Beverly Hills because it oh. was, no, I'm just kidding. It was near Santa Monica I guess Boulevard. It was. I, the I, mean, I think it yeah. was probably like along Wilshire Boulevard or something like that. And I don't know if they were anti-Shaw or... I mean, some people didn't like the Shah who A lot of people didn't here. like the Shah. Yeah. A lot of people liked the Shah. A lot of people didn't like the Shah. I mean, you know, when I asked my parents, they give me a very vague answer on how they feel, you know, because uh-huh. they... And I would, it would be very interesting to talk to more Persians, yeah. parents yeah. who had to mm-hmm. leave to see, it'd be interesting sort of documentary to make about how they really feel uh, yeah. having to leave. And there's no question in my mind that nobody wants the Ayatollah or his regime or all of his crazy fanatical people running the country over there with their views. Mm-hmm. But what they had with the Shah really divided the country in so many ways because it really affected so many people in so many different ways. So I think that they're very conflicted about Mm -hmm. what happened and how the Americans dealt with the Shah. And so it gets very problematic about who's pro-Shah and who's, you know, I mean, nobody's pro Mm -hmm. Khomeini or Mm -hmm. 
or what's going on in the country right now. I mean, mm-hmm. but still mm-hmm. to this day, all the Americans still like, ugh, the Iranians, like they can't get their country together. It's still, it's still a sore subject. Mm-hmm. It's still really mm-hmm. painful for a lot of these Persians who never get to go back. I mean, I think that's really the key that they can't go yeah. back to their country. They can't, mm-hmm. they, they, they can't go back to the home that they had. They, you know, everything was taken away from them, you know? So yeah. Very few people were able to smuggle money out. A lot of people lost everything that they had and they came here. I, I was going to ask about that too. So people couldn't just leave. Like if you have, I'm just going to say a hundred thousand dollars in your bank account, you just can't take your money and go. No, I do think, that at the time. no, I don't think they were able to do that. Yeah. Probably they were smart. Like they just took the money or had money or they were able to get the money or they what knew they somebody do. at the banks or they just had some kind of like contact or a little connection with somebody that they were able to take the money. And then like, it depends on which way they went. A lot of them went through Europe and everybody went in a different direction. You know what I mean? So I think they were able to have access to people who were able to send them money. I mean, if you're going to smuggle money, you're going to be able to do it. I mean, people do it all the time. So Mm -hmm. like they were able to somehow bring the money into the country. But when people say, oh, the Persians were, you know, they were so successful. I think a lot of it was that we supported each other 100%. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. People like your brother worked with you and your cousin, you know, you all worked together. Everybody, you needed money here. here, You know, my dad always would lend somebody money that just came from Iran. And we had each other's backs. Exactly. I mean, so you all helped yeah. each other. Everybody helped grow each other. Grow your community and, and get comfortable here in America and start a life. Yeah. I mean, to me, I find it very strange how easy we were able to, like a lot of these, not myself, but a lot of the Persians at the time were able to just come to America. I mean, mm-hmm. if this were to happen now, we wouldn't be able to leave. No. Right. So I find it really ironic that so many Persians are, were pro-Trump. Like what? Oh, what? I, we can't go there. I lost my mind. I I'm don't like, get. Oh, that's. A I mean, you boss. can be Republican, but to sure. be pro-Trump, it was. I had a hard time with that. The Ayatollah must not have clamped everything down. I guess they had a window. If you think about it, that the majority of the uh, people living in Iran right now are like twenty-five to forty, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They are not supporters of the regime right now in their country, right? But they are so silenced at this point, right? They can't Mm -hmm. just be like, you know what? I want to just kind of leave and go live somewhere else. They can't do that. Mm -hmm. So we're so lucky that we were able to leave when we did. Yep. Do you have any family still there? Um. Not really. No. I mean, there are Persians that Iranian Jews that still live in in Iran, yeah. maybe there's probably about five to 6,000, I would say, that are there currently that maybe going, come and go. My uncle at one point was living there. He loved it. He said it was great. Yeah. And anyone I know who's traveled there says it's incredible. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. The people I'm are sure. warm. They love Americans. They don't love our, oh. you know, they don't love the government, but mm-hmm. we don't love their governments. They're, they're just embracing warm people that sort of got the short end of the stick. Yeah. It's unfortunate. You know, my mom never or dad ever say, God, we want to go back to Iran. I think that chapter is closed for them, you know, yeah. and, and it's kind of sad because I wonder how many other people want to go home and like just can't just 
go back to the street they grew up, eat at their favorite restaurant and go to the park that they used to go to as kids. Yeah. It's something that makes me kind of sad in a way. It's being nostalgic about something mm-hmm. that they can't have anymore is really, it's kind of bittersweet in a way because they they have so many other things here, but it's not the same. Yeah, I, I think that's really sad because you, you do want to be able to come and go, like you said, go back to your childhood home or reconnect with your your memories and who you are and where you come from. And it's so hard for when you can't go back. And I also think that in a way, it's interesting because if they could, they might be really sad about it because they would see like it's changed so much that maybe that if they can hold on to the memories that they had, which was innocent and pure and loving and and all of those things that they wouldn't have to be reminded of the harsh realities of what's going on in their country now. And yeah, maybe it's just better for them to just have those memories versus the ones that will be a hard pill to digest, so to speak. Yeah, I remember talking to some people who were like teenagers in uh, Tehran before they came here. Their memories sound like my memories. They were partying and going to discos and things like that. And yeah. I imagine that doesn't exist. <laughs> no. Today. Well, they it, it does. It's just it happens in people's homes and they party <laughs> like crazy and they're drinking <laughs> and but it's not at a nightclub. It's in it's yeah. underground. It's, it's underground, yeah. Uh-huh. I talked to a few people who go come and go, you know, they go back to Iran, you know, to go visit family and the people are struggling. There's like unemployment mm-hmm. is high and they're they don't have a lot of the medical resources that they need. And, and then you wonder like who wants to help Persians, you know? Right. 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 And then the majority of the Persians that are here are like, well, we have our own problems here. And, yeah. you know, it's like, mm-hmm. I find it interesting because I think like Iranian Jews consider themselves more Jewish than Iranian, if that makes sense. Yes. So they relate more to being Jewish than they do Iranian versus I believe that Iranian Muslims consider themselves more Iranian than Muslim. It's a very interesting, and I can't really explain it in great detail, but I feel that because so many of the Persian Jews have left Iran that they don't look back as much as you would think they would, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. Tell us about your life today. Yeah, how was your life after high school, or what? What happened? What did you? What? Who did you become? <laughs> I'm still becoming who I'm becoming, right? I'm still becoming yeah, who too. I am. Absolutely. Constant uh, work in progress. <laughs> well, today I live in Santa Monica. I'm I'm a beach person. Love that. Cancer, you know, I have to be by the close to the ocean. We're going to say it. We're birthday twins. Yes, Stacey and I. always text each other for the last number of years. Stacey and I share the same birthday. I think we share many things. I think we share a lot of things. We do. We do. For sure. For sure. So after school, where did you go to college? I went to NYU. Ooh, film. I studied film. David, too. You went to NYU? Well, I went to Hampshire College and then I went to USC Film School, but I actually did the summer film program one summer at NYU. That was great. Tish? Yeah. That's fun. Sorry I didn't see you. You had to make like five mini films over the summer and it was really a great experience. 
I went to school with one of the Lazar brothers. He was at my school. Oh, yeah. And you went to elementary school with him, too. (laughs) NYU was great. My parents did not want me to go away to college. They wanted me to get married and settle down and have 20 kids. Yeah. I didn't do any of that. I was a rebel. I wasn't what they wanted as a daughter. I didn't do anything that they really wanted me to do. (laughs) I got into the school of my dreams. Like I amazing people used to say to me, Are you a New Yorker? I said, No, you sound like a New Yorker. I'm like, Oh, maybe I should go to school in New York. And so when I got in, I was so excited because I thought, Oh, I'm going to fit in perfectly in yeah. New York, which I did. And my dad was really against me going away to school. He goes, Why can't you go to UCLA? Why you don't go to USC? And I'm like, And my dad sounds Russian, but he's not. <laughs> And uh, that was a really bad Persian accent. Uh, and so I, I wanted to get out of here. Yeah. I was like, get me the F out of here. Yeah. Did you love living in New York? I, I love living in New York. So when we, I went away to college, my dad, my dad's so funny. My dad flew out with me. Like, you know how you, you go to college and your parents like fix up your room. Well, yeah. there, there was no dorm. We were living in a hotel because the, the dorm wasn't ready yet. And I was sharing the hotel room with the other roommates and my dad my dad got up in the morning <laughs> my dad got up in the morning and made breakfast for me who wants omelet? Who wants omelet? Thank you, omelet and these girls were like who is this crazy man with this loud voice it was unheard of for like now it's like these girls are doing whatever they want me yeah. for me at the time I just wanted to go away to college and yeah. and I got in and I thought, well, this is it. This is, and I had really had to beg my parents to let me go. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that taste of freedom was incredible because yeah. I, I did grow up with very traditional parents who weren't into the sleepovers and none mm. of that. Like there wasn't a I'd curfew and be home at a certain yeah. time and all that stuff. So, yeah. Was it a gender issue as well? Was like if you were a boy, it would have been completely different. Yeah, I was expected to be a virgin when I got married. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. And your brothers can do no wrong. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, no. The men have carte blanche. The mm-hmm. women, I mean, you were expected to marry at a young age, preferably Persian. Mm-hmm. If you're Jewish, absolutely, they want you to marry somebody Jewish. Mm-hmm. I wanted my freedom. I didn't want to go yeah. from my parents' house to my husband's house in any way. Yeah. So, so you took a different path. And I had to lie about it too, and so many you ways did. about many things in life. But it, in the long run, I think a lot of these Persian girls couldn't do what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were okay with it. I mean, a lot of them were just perfectly fine with being becoming a wife. And- yeah, they. All in that tradition. I remember and- wanting in high school, wanting to go downtown to, I don't know, I can't remember what, why. And my friends wouldn't leave Persians. They wouldn't leave Beverly Hills. They would oh, not. Wow. They were like, no, it's not safe. It's. I'm like, really? Yeah. No, come on, guys, let's go. No, no, it's it's not safe. So. Yeah. In that respect, it's also because there's people, the Persians were so scared of like anything happening sure. to the children that they just wanted to keep them close because, you know, it's a foreign country to them. Yeah. So it was unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. Did you come home after college or did you come back to LA? I 
grudgingly came back to LA. I did not want to come back to LA, but my parents were like, it's time for you to come home. I'm like, "Eh." (laughs) and then I came back. I worked in the movie industry for like 10 years and I did everything. I worked Mm -hmm. as an electrician grip. Uh, I worked in doing titles for films. I worked in wardrobe. I did set design. I did, I worked at ICM. <laughs> I got fired after a few days. I, I mean, it was just the night. And then I, and then one day a friend of mine was like, I'm going to Brazil to do some work. And I was in between jobs. I was working in the film industry and I wasn't working at the time. I was living in Venice. I had like this rent control apartment. It was a total yeah. dump. And he's like, do you want to go? I've got a free ticket. And I'm like, oh, I'm not doing anything. Okay, let's go. Why not? And I went and I, I, I didn't leave. I lived there for a year. You did? I did. How old were you? How amazing is that? I was like, I think I was in my late 20s. That's awesome. And uh, I, I called my mom. I said, pack my clothes. I'm not coming back. And I, I moved to Brazil. I lived in Sao Paulo and I taught English. And then I moved to this little beach town called Buzios, which is north of Rio. And I had an apartment on the beach and I wore a bikini. And those days I was able to wear a bikini and I had a surfer boyfriend who didn't speak a word of English. Perfect. I had the best. It was like the best. (laughs) That's the best year of your whole life. I I love it. He was 10 years younger than me. I was like, I was like pre-cougar you know, the, pre-cougar. The, pre-cougar. We were ahead of the times of the I was, I Toast was. and the cougar. Exactly. Like <laughs> people listen up. And um, I thought like, if I don't do this now in my life, when will I do this? Because I think like everything happens for a reason and yeah. you're supposed to just sort of like go with it. So mm-hmm. I came back after, I was like, okay, I love Brazil, but I mean, we're talking bare essentials. I didn't get to have in my life at that time. Gotcha. So like washing clothes by hands, I didn't have a car. There was no, there was no cell phones. I had to make yeah. a phone call out of pay phone. This is before cell phones. Sure. Um, I moved back and I, um, I started my own business. I, it's very ironic. I wore these Havaianas that everybody was wearing in Brazil. And, yeah. and this is back in 1999 and I wore a pair and my brother's girlfriend's like, Oh, these are so cute. You should show them to to the head buyer at Ron Herman, which is Fred Siegel. Yeah. I'm like, all right. So I go, I, I said, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about bringing these in. And he looked at me and he's like, okay, I'll take 300 pairs. Oh my God. How amazing is that? So I was like, oh shit, I got to go back to Brazil and fill up my suitcase. <laughs> Do you know what they are, David? No, I was going to say, I have no idea what a Havanana is. <laughs> they're, they, they're flip-flops, just flip-flops. I might have a pair right near me. (laughs) That won't help our listeners. (laughs) Well, they're called Havaiana flip-flops and everybody has a pair of them. And whether you are a worker doing construction in Brazil or you're like, you know, a very wealthy person, everybody has a pair. They're like three bucks, right? Is it a look I'd recognize? Are they? Oh, everybody. So now everybody in the world has these. Yeah. Oh, they all have them? Yeah, except for you, David. I'll send you yeah. a pair. Except you. We're going to get you a pair, David. I don't like the way it feels against my big toe, those flip-flops. Oh, David, you're going to get used to it. <laughs> no, they're so comfortable. I still wear Everyone them. loves them. I have probably have 50 pairs. Yeah, so I did that for a while, and then I just got into design, and that was sort of like a segue into, like, I, I started importing those, and then I started jewelry. I just... 
I needed an excuse to travel. So I thought yeah. like whatever I can do for work that involves getting on a plane and getting the hell out of LA for a while, that's what I wanted to do. And so I did that for a while. And then I came back and um, I got into um, real estate for a while with my dad while my brother was in college. And I'm not an office person. I just can't yeah. sit in front of a computer all day. So when he graduated, he he took over my fam took over the family business, and I went off to doing design work. And so now I'm like an interior stylist. I do styling right. for people's homes and stuff like that. Yeah, my own business. How great is that? Perfect. I love it. Thank you. I love it. Yeah, I love it too. I love that you did that. That you found your way and don't have a traditional way, and still do interiors and all these fun things. I love that you made it made it work. I think maybe your entrepreneurial spirit comes from having to rebel against your parents because you were <laughs> oh, independent. I, I learned so much business from my dad. My dad is a, he should write a book about how to be an entrepreneur and how to talk to people or how not to talk to people because he had nothing. I mean, literally mm. came from nothing and, you know, oh, yeah. he really just prospered in so many ways. And, like he he never wanted me to work because I remember in high school I wanted to work at Century City. I worked at Bullocks in the in mm -hmm. the Century City Mall. He was so upset at me. He's like, I work so hard so you don't have to. Mm -hmm. And I said, Dad, I really love to work. I want to make my own money, like just like you did. But he didn't right. see it that way. He looked at mm -hmm. like, no daughter of mine should work. She needs. To. And I was like, but Dad, it's okay. Like this is it's okay to work. You look how, yeah. you know, like, yeah, but they, it, I think it was also just cultural, you know, that yeah. he didn't want his daughter to work because he looked at it like it's a man's job, not a woman's exactly. job to work. So there you exactly. go. There you go. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I like to ask this one question at the end of, uh, our episodes is what's a very over the top experience you had just by growing up in Beverly Hills, <laughs> you know, something crazy you got to do that is just so Beverly Hills. I don't know if this is so crazy, but think about mm -hmm. how many celebrity kids went to our school, right? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think when you're at that age, it didn't really phase me. Like Leslie Hackman was one of my closest friends and I used to go to mm -hmm. her house all the time. Mm -hmm. I never felt like, oh, my God, her dad's a famous actor, is starstruck. Father Gene Hackman, one yeah. of the greatest actors of all time. Yeah. I mean, I think when I tell people that I went to Beverly High, they think it's 90210. Totally. Right. So I sometimes hesitate to say where I went to high school. But I just, I mean, I guess the craziest thing is, I guess just there were so many diverse people that yeah. went to our school that mm -hmm. honestly, like everybody's everybody that I was friends with that I knew had such an interesting, diverse background. Like everybody mm -hmm. was so interesting to me. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't very vanilla. Like we had so many different people and it was so, I find like a lot of high schools didn't have that like we did. You know what I'm saying? I agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why we're doing a whole show on it. <laughs> <laughs> and all the people and the interesting people that we've met and how we all grew up in Beverly Hills and how we've all come together and people 
were became super famous and this and that or not. But not everybody at Beverly was wealthy too, you know? No, not at all. But we all have that connection. And there's something about all of us being from our hometown of Beverly Hills that brings us together, which is a shared experience. A shared experience. And there was, I really felt that there was a community there. There was. We all got together. I didn't really witness a lot of discrimination Mm -hmm. to the extent that I was going to the principal's office and saying, hey, you need to do something about this. Right. I mean, I don't know. What were your experiences like? Did you feel, because did you feel, you didn't ever feel left, like you didn't stand out, right, Stacy? I was there from the no. very beginning. So for me, it was like everybody knew was somebody new. And I'm as old school as you get. My mom grew up in Beverly Hills. so Right. And I came in seventh grade. So it it was definitely different. And my high school experience was Kind of fun. <laughs> no, I know, Stacy. You were really popular. I never felt popular. I just wanted to fit in, but I wanted yeah. to fit in where I wanted to fit in. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't yeah. want to fit into somebody else. I wanted, I wanted to be like, do I like you guys? Do I want to be with you guys? Like to me, that was really yeah. important. I didn't want everybody to like me because I, a lot of people didn't like me. You know, I did. Stacy did. I loved you. <laughs> I got you know, and that's why I'm on the show because other Persians didn't get on the show. I <laughs> You're our only Persian. <laughs> well, that's the other thing I wanted to say is like, absolutely, this is just the beginning of this conversation that we want to have on the show because it's changed over the years and everybody's mm -hmm. perspective is so different if you came from Iran at a different time or you're a second generation and still Beverly High is a lot of Persian people and we want that story too. So mm -hmm. if you're listening and you're one of those people, please contact us. Yeah. I mean, definitely they have a different perspective, but I do, you know, I think that my generation of Persians were very mm -hmm. proud. I mean, not to say that nobody else isn't, but I mean, I, I'm, I really love and embrace my culture and my heritage and, and, everything that it stands for. I, I would always stand up to anybody that would put my people down. Like there's no mm -hmm. way that I would stand for it for one second. That's the hard part, like with people and especially like at Beverly, because there was a lot of arrogance there too. Let's not forget. Tons. I mean, there was, yeah, but I think Beverly Hills high probably had over the top a bit. It was out of right. control. I mean, BMWs, I mean, these, Ferraris, right. clothing. And these kids were untouchable, oh. right? Like they were untouchable. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of powerful people sure. who were able to sort of, if these kids got into trouble, it's like, hey, mom and dad, like, you know. We can take care of it. Fix right. it. Yeah, fix this. And yeah. as a minority, and uh, we didn't have that luxury. Right. So I think yeah. that's really important to know that, and I think that's why the Persians stuck together. And and maybe a lot of the other immigrants too, like Armenians mm -hmm. are that way too. They stick together. We all have to sort of like take care of each other first. Yes. I love it. This has just been an incredible story. And I love your openness and how you're freely able to talk to us and share your feelings. And it really enlightened me a lot. And I know it'll enlighten, enlighten our listeners. And I we really deeply appreciate you coming on and having this really important, deep discussion with us. So again, thank you. Well, the 
pleasure is all mine. I'm so humbled by this experience. And I want to thank you and David for inviting me here today. This is my first podcast, and um, I really enjoyed it. I, I hope that uh, your listeners won't be utterly bored with my story. I don't think they can be. It's it's such an interesting mm-hmm. story, and you're telling such a big part of the history of Beverly Hills. and Enlightening a uh, lot of us. I'm fascinated mm-hmm. by it, and I keep wanting to learn more and more about it. Okay, so guys, serious. We're gonna go out for Persian food. Totally, I'll come in anytime, and we'll let's. let's You're make gonna a have date. to come, David. Oh yeah, no, we'll come oh, in. Yeah, we'll do I'll it. Can we do a post podcast Persian food edition? Yes, <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much. Khadafis. I like fun. that. Thank you. <laughs> Yes. It was great having you on, and we'll see you again. And thanks for being on Growing Up Beverly Hills. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate your support. Please join the conversation by following us on Facebook and Instagram. If you or somebody you know would make a good guess, let us know. We're looking to tell every type of story. If you haven't done it already, be sure to give us five stars and write us a review. So suicide has personally affected my life, and we like to mention at the end of our show that there is help for everybody out there. You know, I think everybody's going through a tough time now, and we don't want anybody to take their lives. Especially during this COVID situation, uh, we've all been experiencing depression and hard times. Things can always get better. Everything bad now can get better. Everything can get better, and there is a lot of help out there, so please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. There is always help. It doesn't hurt to call, so do that. You don't have to do this alone. There's always help.